Hey, guys and gals. This is Michael Nardelli from Dark Web. You are listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I hope you're having a good day. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, Adrian. I with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the man cave, your host, Elias. Michael, welcome to the cave. Thank you for having me in the cave. It's a lovely cave. It's beautiful. It's very roomy and spacious. There you go. How are things with you, man? What's new? Uh, things are good. We just, uh, thanks, thanks for asking. <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah, we just finished, uh, post-production on our show Dark Web and screened it last week at this cool, uh, festival in Atlanta called ATV Festival that, uh, Entertainment Weekly and SCAD put on. So that's exciting. And, uh, you know, just kind of working on closing up shop on the show and getting back out there and auditioning and everything. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about the show. And I, I noticed you've been busy for the last few years acting, producing, yeah, um, yeah. When you uh, commit to do a, a series as a actor and producer, it's a uh, surprise. It winds up taking a lot of time and uh, energy and work from you, um, which I sort of knew going into it. Um, but I'd only produced features before, um, so it was a little bit of a, a learning curve and a new experience and a new set of challenges. But I, you know, learned a lot, and it was. It's, I'm super proud of the end product, so yeah. it's definitely worth it. So. I- Tell the listeners, well, like, where are you where are you originally from? Uh, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. That's where I was born. But um, I moved around uh, pretty much every three to four years of my life growing up. So it was Ohio to Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, oh, wow. upstate New. Nope, I missed one. Ohio, I always miss one. Ohio, Pennsylvania, back to uh, no Wisconsin, then back to Pennsylvania. Then we were in upstate New York and Georgia. Then I finally moved out to L.A., almost moved to Canada once in there with my family, um, but we didn't wind up doing that. So, yeah, it was pretty – it was uprooted a lot of times. Yeah. What made, you, what made your family move around like that so much? That was just my parents, their their work. Um, you know, my dad worked in sort of the corporate world for General Electric, so they were always moving them around and, you know, relocating the family to different locations and putting them in different positions and everything. And, you know, when you're under 18, you have to go along for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> You know, even though they they like retroactively say they're like, well, we gave you a choice if you wanted to move your senior year, and I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> where where was like your favorite uh, place that you lived growing uh, up? I mean, they were all cool in different ways. Um, like I always had good friends most of the places, especially upstate New York. I was kind of I was there up to my junior year of high school, so that was the longest I'd spent anywhere. Um, and at the time, I was like, oh god, this is such a small town there's nothing to do but i do look back on it pretty fondly and there were some great people there and they have like great memories great laughs and everything so yeah. um you know there's something to be said for for a small town um uprising i think so as a kid growing up in in whatever the townie that you that you liked what were you into what did you enjoy doing as a kid yeah i mean growing up i think you know one of the reasons i'm probably into acting and writing and and filmmaking and entertainment now is because that was sort of like my escape growing up you know we moved like i said every three years or so so it was always new friends and new yeah uh, new you know new challenges new schools trying to make new friends um and sometimes succeeding in that (laughs) and sometimes not uh but you know my constant 
outlet, like my religion was pretty much film and television and writing and making short films with my friends growing up and asking teachers if I could do, you know, a film project instead of an essay or, you know, or a book report. Um, so yeah, I mean, my outlet was always reading and writing and watching movies and TV and just immersing myself in that. Yeah. You know, and again, I lived in these small towns. That was pretty much all there was to offer for weekend entertainment, especially when it's winter was to go to the movies and go with your family and friends and enjoy the ride. What, uh, what were some of the movies and TV shows you enjoyed growing up? Oh my God. I watched so much stuff. Um, I mean, my mom introduced me to a lot of stuff like, <laughs> probably younger than I should have, but I'm grateful for it. Like Alfred Hitchcock movies. And I used to always watch Dick Van Dyke and I love Lucy with her. And, um, you know, my brother got me deep into star Wars and Indiana Jones and sort of, you know, all the Spielberg movies yeah. that we, we grew up on. And that was like my gateway drug to cinema. And then as I got older, I got more into indie cinema and, you know, auteur filmmakers and stuff like that. Um, but I definitely grew up loving sort of adventure, fantasy, sci-fi, um, that kind of stuff. Definitely was like my gateway drug to cinema and storytelling. Do you ever sit at home and like flip through the channels, you know, through the TV sometime and you, you know, those old movies come on and you're like, you don't move because you start watching them again. And you're like, wow, I mean, like you miss those type of movies. Yeah, like watching, yeah, on all the movies you grew up with, HBO, they like, you imprint on them and they imprint on you. Yeah. And even if you go back now and you're like, wow, it's not as good as I thought it was back then. But there's still just something special about it. And yeah. I think we're lucky that we had those stories because I, mean, I think now... Go ahead. No, I was like, you, you mentioned Indiana Jones. And I'm like, Indiana Jones is still great to this day. But if you watch the first Star Wars, you're like, wow, like the, the effects are so much better now than it was back you know, in the 1970s. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but the story still holds up. And that's yeah. where it's like now I see my nephew and niece watching like these weird shorts on youtube and everything and i'm like are those as good as what we had i'm like i don't i don't know they, you know, a lot of the i guess content they watch now seems a little bit more um um i don't know like dispensable or something or yeah. it's replaced very quickly you know whereas i feel like a lot of the movies i'm assuming you and i grew up on kind of left this huge imprint we watched them like 20 times oh, yeah. and we had to see them again and we had to have the vhs um Whereas now I feel like things are a little bit more sort of, yeah, expendable or, or disposable in a weird way. So now would you say that that's, is that what pursued you to get into acting and directing growing up with those movies? Yeah, a hundred percent. I was just always drawn to storytelling and, and, you know, as an actor or as an, I was always writing little stories growing up. Like I said, I was making short films and fake commercials and skits and sketches with my friends and, I just always had sort of like a instinctual draw to storytelling. Um, and then as I became more of a, a fan of, of, of cinema and, and television, then definitely that, you know, only increased my interest in really wanting to learn, break it down and learn yeah. how you actually do it and how you put a project together and how do you get real acting work or, or not, I shouldn't say real acting work. All, all acting work is real, but paid professional acting work, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, for sure. That did, definitely influenced me. Did you uh, do theater in high school or in college? Or both? I did both. I started theater, I think, in middle school, just doing plays. And then I got a little bit more serious about it in high school. And then by the time I was in college, where I was studying theater at, at, in performance at USC, 
I also had an agent and was starting to get the odd sort of professional film and television job here and there that I could accommodate with my, my university schedule. So uh, after college, what was the first uh, gig that you landed? I actually, it was in college. I got my first gig was this movie with Zac Efron um, called the Derby Stallion. Basically like the karate kid with horses and very like family friendly Disney ish kind of movie. Um, And I got it my sophomore year, maybe junior year of college. And I, it was definitely tricky. I had to like, (laughs) I had to drop a few classes and then there were a couple of sort of large, I don't even know if I should be saying this lecture classes that I kept and, and was able to maintain while I was filming it in Georgia. And then just kind of, you know, we shot for like four weeks. And then I just kind of appeared back in some of my TA classes. And I think the TAs were like, where? They just kind of gave me this odd look. And it was like this moment of like eye contact of like, are they going to let me get away with it? They, oh, they did. Okay, good. Here we go. Um, so, yeah, that was that was tricky because I definitely had a hunger to do professional stuff, um, you know, outside of school while I was in school learning. Um, and it happened a couple of times. But uh, I was able to work it out. And I, I was lucky to have that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure that looked great on your resume after you were done with school, too. I think so, yeah. People ask me if, you know, how important is a, a college. Um, and I actually do think it's, it's good. Um, you know, obviously there's 20,000 cases of people that, you know, have great careers without that. So it's, yeah. you know, doable either way. I think, I think it was good to have. But then I think I'm also glad I got a head start in sort of the professional L.A., New York um, TV and film landscape just because even by the time I moved here, which was at age 19, you know, you feel like you're already competing against kid actors that have been here, you know, that were born in LA or New yeah. York that had those opportunities. And I was, you know, growing up in tiny towns in the Midwest and the Northeast. So, you know, you definitely I was coming at it. I felt like from a little bit of a disadvantage. Um, so uh, yeah, I was glad I was multitasking in college for sure. Now, you did a couple other TV uh, spots also, uh, CSI and uh, the People vs. O.J. Simpson on FX. How were those? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, CSI was fun. I played like a drunk, hungover frat guy. And then uh, uh, O.J. was crazy. That was a crazy couple of days. Um, Ryan Murphy was directing it. So, you know, we're like, I'm a big fan of his. I wanted to impress him. It was a small part, but it was still like I was the guy that saw O.J. on the freeway. Um, and it was just a huge day of like they shut down a freeway. Oh, wow. I had to drive. I had to drive a stick shift VW wagon, which was new for me uh, and and a little terrifying. I definitely was thinking, you know, a stunt guy would be doing more of it than I was. Um, uh, it was there was just a lot of stuff going on that day, and I didn't want to be the one little person on that set that screwed something up when it was clear like people were stressed and there, there was so much expense going into that day. Um, so it was like, it, it was awesome to do it, but it was definitely not a super fun day. I was like, this is fun day at work. It was more like, okay, don't screw this up. <laughs> Be very focused. Don't screw up, Michael. Just breathe and get through it kind of day. Yeah. Really interesting. Now, uh, so yeah, so now tell us about Dark Web. Like, how did you, uh, did you get approached for that project? How did that exactly happen? No, Dark Web, we could, that's like a homegrown, uh, you know, bespoke kind of project that we all came up with. Um, me and my brother and uh, Mario Michone had worked on a film called Circle okay. a couple of years ago um, that was acquired by Netflix. 
Uh, we screened it at Seattle Film Festival, and then it went to Comic Con, and then from there they Netflix found it and, and acquired it. Um, so it's done pretty well for them, and we had a great time making it and have sort of similar interests. And uh, I've always I grew up watching The Twilight Zone. That was another thing I was probably watching it much younger than I should have been, but it imprinted on me, and I loved it. And I loved the idea of uh, anthology shows and and sort of uh, technology and talking about how current events are sort of affecting us on an emotional level sort of sci-fi and horror to do that and so you know i sort of pitched this idea to my brother and, and mario of doing an anthology show that would have um an ongoing story that would sort of connect the anthology segment so it wasn't just this experience of you know you get caught up in an episode of black mirror and then it's done and you're kind of you know you move on this had a little bit this is dark web was you know the intent was to, to sort of have the anthology aspect of it be more than just the sum of its parts. Um, so we just batted that idea back and forth of like, how would this, what would it look like? And is this a challenge that's too big of a challenge to make work? Um, you know, people ask me what to compare it to. And I mean, I think it's hard because the whole thing that was fun for us was like, we hadn't seen too many people do that before of having an anthology show with these singular experiences that also have a, you know, we call it the A story or a wraparound or, yeah. you know, a serialized part of it that connects everything together. So the more you watch, you know, you can watch one and be done, but the more you watch, you kind of get more out of it as a viewer. If you choose to watch the whole season, which we hope you do. Um, so that was kind of the fun challenge of it. That's how it started. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was totally an in-house project that we sort of from soup to nuts created over the last three years. So how long did it take you to write the whole anthology before you took the next step? The writing of Dark Web was kind of the easiest part. Like Mario and Tim and I created the sort of framework of what the serialized part would be. Okay. And then we knew what the anthology segments um, would need to be. And then we had some guest writer directors come in to write some of those. And they pretty much had free reign to follow their own creative intent, which we were pretty proud of and happy about to offer that as an experience. Um, they just had to have, there were certain points they had to hit, certain lines of dialogue or certain Easter eggs that needed to be there to tie it all into the, the main story. Um, but I would say the writing of it from what Mario and I did and also the, the, uh, the guest writer directors that we brought in for some of the anthology segments, I took like three months or less. It was a pretty quick experience. Um, you know, maybe a little longer for some of them, yeah. but, uh, but overall <laughs> that was, that was the quickest, easiest part. Everything else was a lot more challenging. Yeah. So like, how would you describe the show to a listener? Like what, what it's, what is it exactly about? Without, um, without, so, giving, without giving it away with the spoilers. Yeah. Uh, dark web is uh, uh, a lot of it. I mean, if people are familiar with, with the dark web, it's a real thing. It's a real place on the internet. When we started writing it, a lot of people didn't know what it was. Now there's commercials for it on TV every day. Um, there's, uh, you know, like my parents asked me, what's dark web? And now, they literally are getting lifelock alerts saying their information is lost on the dark web and stuff like that. So um, it's something that's becoming more predominant in our society. It's going to play up a bigger role as we go on because a lot of things happen on there. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but, um, you know, a lot of cyber terrorism originates yeah. there, physical terrorism. There's arms sales or get black market organ transplants. There's tra human trafficking, drugs, guns. It's just a cesspool of, of bad, nefarious activity. Um, so some of our anthology segments are pulled from real life inspiration of things that have happened on there that we've read about. Um, but, uh, but in, in terms of what the show is, is it's, uh, 
it deals with sort of the technological uh, things that we're experiencing as a generation right now. Um, there's a line on the show that people my age, you know, 20s, 30s, even in 40s, were sort of the last generation that remembers an analog world, but is also living in a digital world. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I like to, to pitch it from an emotional point of view. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the anthology segments get into sort of the horror sci-fi territory and the whole story is connected. The connective tissue is this girl who's gone missing, who worked in cybersecurities, and she sort of warns some of her friends that um, the, the technological innovations that we're all dealing with right now may hold some danger for the future, for their future, her future, you know, the world's future. Well, you mentioned, uh, like, I actually do IT also, so I, I know, like, all this stuff, so it's very intriguing. So did you have to, like, hire people, like, from the IT world to even help you with the storyline at all? Or, like, to get ideas from? Um, we did a lot of we did a lot of research on the dark web. Okay. On its history, on activity on there, on real stories that were on there. And then I, I have, uh, I know, just, I don't want to call anyone out, but I know some people that also work in kind of IT or maybe let's just say, you know, higher up parts yeah. of the government <laughs> that gave me, didn't reveal any, you know, secrets, but sort of just gave me a heads up on things that were happening. And, um, and I mean, a lot of it now you can pull from the news cause I, I watch, you know, CNN or BBC every day and they're talking about hackers on the dark web or terrorists on the dark web. And, um, we tried to keep it as factual as we could and as relevant to, to current events as we could, but obviously it's fiction. So we definitely took some of our own liberties yeah. for, to, you know, to make sure it was an entertaining story. How, how did you go about casting for the, sh- for the show? And uh, how long did that take with the filming? Yeah. Casting. Uh, Cause we filmed sort of in three different pods or segments. We filmed the main sort of serialized aspect, almost like a movie over the course of a month. Um, Cause that's the part that has the sort of recurring characters that are trying to solve this mystery. And then a couple months later, we filmed three of the anthology segments. And then another couple months later, we filmed the rest of the anthology segments. And then we had a week of reshoots. So it was a really weird, unconventional shooting schedule. But in terms of casting, um, I mean, I'm an actor. And I've worked with a lot of actors as an actor and as a, uh, a producer or filmmaker. So I always do try to cast friends if it's an appropriate fit. Yeah. Um, or people I've worked with that I know are, are reliable and trustworthy and excited to work. Um, and then we had an awesome casting director named Russell Boast, um, who had cast me in a film called The Tribe uh, a couple of years before that. Um, and he read the script and really loved it and, and was excited to cast it. And he opened up uh, the sort of doors of, of opportunity of who we could cast in such a huge way. And uh, it was a huge integral part of the show. because We got some amazing um, faces that you recognize and then we cast a lot of cool people that at the time were just starting out. Now we're getting really cool opportunities. Um, like Sabangale Lombo uh, is on Lost in Space now on Netflix. And when we cast her, she was, I think, had just done like a guest star recurring role on uh, Black Sails. Um, so he was really instrumental in getting a lot of cool up-and-coming talent and then some of the names and faces that you recognize on the show. Okay. <clears throat> now, how do I, now you're in it also. Like, What, uh, what character do you play? And uh, Tell us a little about the character. Uh, I play a guy named James Woodsley, uh, who is actually a school teacher. Um, we were trying to explore, um, you know, sort of occupations and roles and people that hadn't been explored before in shows. 
at least in this circumstance of being sort of a technological, political, sci-fi thriller. Um, so, you know, we tried to cast unconventional people in roles and have different um, occupations represented. So he's a school teacher that through a sort of, uh, he's down with luck, you know, his mom is ill and in the hospital. Um, you know, he's just sort of be this world traveler in the Peace Corps, and now he's kind of trapped in a small town, uh, which I could relate to um, <laughs> from growing up. And, uh, and, you know, through uh, a friend of his and uh, an old acquaintance of his from high school who's gone missing, he kind of um, gets involved in a, uh, it gets a little bit in over his head, you might say, in terms of some of the political and, and global things that are happening with technology. Mm. And, uh, you know, him and his, these friends from high school reunite, sort of find their lost friend who's gone missing and left them a series of these cryptic messages um, that the, the more they read and sort of decipher, there's, there's clues along the way that sort of lead them to a bigger story. Yeah. Now, how did the screening go when uh, a couple weeks ago you said you had the big screening? Yeah, we had the screening last week at uh, ATV. Uh, and it was great. There were a lot of students in the audience and a lot of press and a lot of, um, you know, it's a, bit, it's a big TV festival in Atlanta now. Um, so we were lucky to, to be included among some of these other shows that have been running for years and years um, with really big names. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great. Um, it was our first time. So we were pretty nervous and we showed episode one and episode five, which we were kind of nervous about. We're like, will we will be able to track this, but we wanted to make sure they got a good I mean, the thing that's interesting about screening a TV show versus a movie is, you know, we have eight episodes, almost, you know, over seven hours of content, but we wanted to make sure they got enough experience and enough sort of knowledge about the show and the characters that they'd be interested in seeing the other episodes. So we want to give them a little bit of this and a little bit of that, yeah. but I think it went great and the audience was able to track the story and understand the characters. Um, and I think it was fun for them because it, you know, there hasn't been a lot of press on the show. Um, they sort of just had the log line and the concepts going into it. And then from there, which I think is the coolest way to watch something when you know just a little bit about it, but not really all the details of what you're going to see. I think that's like a rare experience nowadays because everything's so marketed and publicized. Yeah. Um, but it was exciting. And, and, you know, we had a great reception, a lot of interesting questions afterwards about some of the content that they saw, some of it's sort of controversial dark web yeah. what is inspired this gonna... event. Yeah. When, when is this going to be available for like the listeners to watch this? And where? Yeah, that's what everybody's asking. I mean, that's we want to get it out there as soon as possible. We just literally finished post on it. Post production took almost a year because there were so many visual effects, which was a new uh, new set of obstacles for me to figure out and for the the whole production to figure out. So we just finished. ATV was our first um, screening. We're working on a couple other screenings for this summer that we can't announce yet, but we will soon on our social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which is, you can find us on all those. It's dark web show is our tag. Um, so yeah, I wish I could tell you now where you could see it, um, but we're just starting the sales process and we're just starting up uh, booking some of these screens. So are you hoping, for those of you that are curious, stay tuned. I wish I could tell you more now. Are you hoping it's going to be like on a network or like on a streaming platform? Do you have like a goal? Um, I think it'd be cool to have it on streaming just because it is, it's about the internet. It's about the dark yeah. web. It just, I don't know that like, that just feels kind of perfect to me. Um, but really, I mean, we'd be happy to share it, you know, on either of those. Um, and I think, you know, it's similar enough to content on like network shows and it's definitely similar enough to, to things that you've seen on streamers. So I think it could live either way. Um, so, you know, we're open, we're open to both of those. Um, 
we're just excited for people to finally be seeing it because you know you spend so much time in your own bubble kind of working on it yeah. and then you reach a point where you're like okay i'm ready to birth the baby I'm ready <laughs> for the baby to come out and be seen and be named there you go so i uh, so you're done acting you're done producing when somebody comes up to you it's you know they want some advice to get into the acting or producing world what do you tell them um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of trite advice at this point, but just do it, you know, like, um, you know, dark web, a lot of my producing and filmmaking stuff comes out of my need to be creative and then, you know, not wanting to wait by the phone as an actor. Yeah. Um, and so that was my way of doing it, but there's so many ways of doing it. You know, now people can literally shoot feature films on an iPhone and get it into Sundance and get it sold and have it literally be released in cinemas, which is crazy and awesome and it's been done now so it can be done again um you know you can put up a small play you can write you know improv and write sketches i think you just have to do it i know i feel um the most empowered when i'm kind of taking charge of my career and doing things on my own and and doing what i love which is being creative and not waiting around for someone to give me permission or to find you know um I, i don't know who originated this quote but i love it and it's you know uh, do what you love and let the industry find you. Don't try to find the industry. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, it's sometimes hard to, to do that. But I think if you want to be a storyteller or creative, you have to, you have to do that because it's just, it's a very competitive field. And, you know, if you're somebody who loves storytelling, you'll die if you don't get to do it. That's what, a little dramatic. You won't die, but, <laughs> but you'll be happier if you are doing it. Yeah. What do you enjoy more, acting or being behind the scenes or producing? Uh, I, I like acting more. I enjoy, you know, storytelling that way. Um, producing is fun and uses more of my left brain. And, uh, you know, you have a sense of sort of accomplishment and empowerment that you can't always get when you're an actor and you're a little bit more at the whims of, you know, people casting you or yeah. you just, you know, you need an audience to show up. Whereas, you know, if you're producing or writing, you can always be doing that and, you know, the path is a little bit clearer in terms of what steps you have to take to get it done. Things are a little bit more in your control. Um, so if I had to choose, I, I would choose acting. But I, I, I do love it all, and it, it yeah. fulfills different needs in my personality, I guess. Do you have, like, a dream role that you want to play someday? I do. I mean, I have so many. I, I told you, I love Indiana Jones. Yeah. I really want to do something physical. Um, I'd love to play you know, like a spy of some sorts. Like I'm a huge fan of James Bond and shows like Homeland and things like that. I, one thing I haven't been able to do is something really physical. Um, so I would love to do something along those lines, you know, fight scenes and guns and shootouts. I grew up on, you know, I, like I said, I grew up on those kinds of movies and Westerns and everything. So a Han Solo, Indiana Jones type would be a dream come true for sure. <laughs> so. So when you're not producing and you're not acting, like what are some of your hobbies that you enjoy to do? Yeah, I don't have a lot. Honestly, I don't have a huge amount of hobbies. Like my hobbies are all sort of, for better or worse, intertwined with what I love to do. I'm yeah. always watching movies. I'm always reading books. I'm always writing. I'm always going to see movies or watch TV or play. I, lo- I love concerts. Again, that's sort of storytelling, though. So everything I, all my hobbies are kind of based around the same thing, which is probably not a great thing i need to diversify and like start knitting or something i guess um but i love my family and i love my dogs and my friends and that's kind of all i got time for i guess do you you have any other future projects that are you're working on that you want to tell us or give us a little hint about yeah i'm i'm yeah i'm just i'm writing some new things um most of them are all kind of in that um 
sci-fi with a message kind of world, which is what I love. Um, you know, where sci-fi or horror, you know, like a movie like um, um, Get Out, you know, yeah. where it's entertaining, but it's talking about something more than just what it seems to be on its surface. Um, that's my favorite kind of thing, because I think you can really talk about deep important issues without being overly alienating um or or oppressive um so yeah i'm, I'm writing stuff that i'm excited about i don't i probably shouldn't talk about it yet because it's not far enough along and then i'm uh i'm kind of just back on the uh the audition circuit uh actor for hire land which is exciting because i had to take time off from doing that while i was so involved in the post-production aspect of dark web um so i'm i'm back out there with all you guys <laughs> there you go and uh, lastly, uh, how can the listeners find you on social media? Yeah, I am. I'm all over the social media, I guess, these days, as we're supposed to be, for better or worse. Uh, <laughs> I'm on the dark web. Uh, I'm at Nardelli on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then I have a YouTube channel. Um, I think it's just Michael Nardelli. Yeah. Does a dark web have a social uh, account also? Yeah, Dark Web is at Dark Web Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we started getting more active with that and releasing clips and trailers. And uh, we're getting ready to uh, roll out some cast interviews and um, some ex- exclusive opportunities for the people following us on there to, to see the show and interact with the filmmakers and the cast and crew and everything. So it's all happening on at Dark Web Show. Go. Come join the party. We're having fun. <laughs> join us. All right, Mike, my friend. This was fun. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for for having me. I appreciate it. It's a holiday today. You should be you should be resting. Thank you for chatting with me about dark web and everything else. That's why they crown me, 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 me. Back out and get blacked out, amnesia. That's why they crown me, 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 me. Back out and get blacked out, amnesia. We go 100 miles a minute, baby. Here we go. Come on. Here we go, here we go, come on. Just want the crown, meet me, meet, 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 meet. Just want the crown, meet me, meet, 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 meet. A party hard, a day my Mardi Gras. Never needed no protection or a bodyguard. I disregard all rules like an outlaw. Fighting me is unorthodox, just like a southpaw. Stay in your lane, blow it out the frame. You must be insane. We ain't playing no games. What about that drop? You just wanna go pop. I'm about that life. I ain't pushing no mop. It's about that time, and you in the right place. Just say the right words, and you will get laced. That's why they crown me the grand leader. Cannonball. Listen to me, take away your pain like a demoral. And I lift the doll from being broke to ball and hit the mall with a knot and I spit the doll. That's why they crown me, 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 me. Back out and get blacked out, amnesia. That's why they crown me, 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 me. Back out and get blacked out, amnesia. That's why they crown me, 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 me. And I doubt y'all follow me throughout it all Lyrics that are written like scriptures or a novel Rub the beat, unleash the genie in a bottle Open sesame, perfect the impossible Rap colossal Stay in your lane, blow it out the frame You must be insane, we ain't playing no games What about that drop? You just wanna go pop I'm 
I'm about that life, I ain't pushing no more. It's about that time, and you in the right place. Just say the right words, and you will get laced. That's why they crown me the grand leader. Back out and get blacked out, amnesia. And now I'm back, better yet to be specific. This time I'm sticking round like a hieroglyphic, and I'm so uplifted. You can catch me in the clouds, rapping like birthday presents. I'm so gifted. Crown me, 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 me.